This week I'm joined by Dominic Arnold from Just Like Us, the school's LGBT charity. I came across the great work that Just Like Us do, whilst I was Secretary of State for Education. Since then, they have absolutely gone from strength to strength. And Dominic and I talk Schools Diversity Week, coming out, and also our reflections on where the LGBTQ plus movement goes next. The great work done, but also how much there is left to do. Dominic from Just Like Us, thanks so much for coming on the podcast this week. It's a really important week for Just Like Us, isn't it? Because it's the end of School Diversity Week. How do you feel it's gone this year? It's, oh, it's been fantastic. I mean, we weren't even sure a few weeks ago that School Diversity Week was going to take place this year. Um, obviously, uh, this, the landscape is completely different with regards to the fact that we've got so many schools um, that are only marginally open. Um, we've, we, we run School Diversity Week every year and it, ordinarily what that involves is creating a sort of pack of resources so that every school in the country has what they need to celebrate LGBT inclusion and diversity. Um, and, and well, as, as you know, um, a few weeks back, we, you know, I came into the office and said, well, well look at this folks, uh, the schools are closed, what are we going to do about this? Um, and thank goodness, you know, I'm, I have the most fantastic team. Uh, and the, the decision that we made was that actually it was a really important time to be sending a really clear signal to LGBT young people across the country um, that they are valued uh, and respected. Um, so um, this year has been entirely different. We've changed everything. So instead of sending a pack to schools, uh, we have created a pack for those that are in schools, but for those that aren't, We've created a week's worth of interactive masterclasses online um, and uh, all week we've had seen young people logging on watching masterclasses from LGBT experts in their field. It's been really fun. And do you feel, I mean obviously in a way, because it's a very different pride season almost, uh, the one we'd normally have, certainly um, you know, here in London, there'd normally be a, a wonderful sort of pride parade and all of that. It almost feels like it's more of a chance for reflection in a way on how far we've come, but also the, the remaining challenges. In terms of young people, who, how do you see the challenges from an LGBT plus perspective in our schools today? So I think... Um, as adults, we can sometimes be a bit guilty about talking about back in our day, like it was an entirely different place. Um, and I think, obviously, the LGBT community has seen some tremendous advances over the last 30 years. I mean, if, if you ask people to list them and they'll come up with things like marriage, adoption, ability to serve in the armed forces, age of consent, all these sorts of things. But it's worth remembering that all of these advances um, are re more relevant to adults than they are to young people. Mm -hmm. um, so for, if you're young, if you're in school, if you're being bullied, as, as our research shows, three and four LGBT young people still are, the fact that you may be able to get married one day is going to feel like a very, very long way away. Um, so whenever I'm asked about, you know, what are the challenges for LGBT young people in schools, in some schools, if you're lucky enough to go to a school that's really engaged with this work, then yes, things will be very, very different. Um, but unfortunately, if you're not, if you go to a school that hasn't, that is earlier in its journey and perhaps hasn't embraced LGBT inclusion, the challenges are broadly the same as they've always been, which is a lack of representation um, and, a, and a strong likelihood um, that your identity will be talked down and, and you'll be bullied. And I think as, 
all of that really does impact on the mental health for young people. And I, I think I'm right in saying that some of the, the research you did suggested that almost nine in 10 LGBT young people experience depression, which is really a, you know, a horrible, a horrible fact to have to, to confront. Um, it, it really did, is. What's I'm... your sense, Dominic, about how we need to tackle that as a wider society? So I suppose the first thing to say is that there's nothing about being LGBT that would make you more prone to anxiety or depression. And what we also see in the research is where people engage with this issue, so where young people feel supported, actually their rates of anxiety and depression drop down to about the same as they would be um, for non-LGBT young people. So really, it's not to do with being LGBT, it's to do mm -hmm. with that person's interactions with society, with school and with society as a whole. So if we can improve those interactions, if we can make sure young people are supported, um, then we know that levels of anxiety and depression uh, will drop to roughly what they would ordinarily be. Um, so I think, you know, if you look at a young person's sort of uh, spheres of contact, you've got the family, which is obviously tremendously important. And we'd really encourage any family to support young people when they come out. We sadly know um, other Kennedy Trust statistics say that there's 500 homeless people in the streets of London now because they came out. Um, and of course, you know, our sphere is, is more in schools. And, and we'd say that to all schools, this isn't something that happens on its own. This really is a topic you have to engage with in order to make it better. Don't worry if you don't know where to start. We're really happy to help, um, as are a number of other fantastic LGBT organisations across the country. And it's why there's so much of the work that goes alongside schools diversity week for for an organization like just like us you know you have your ambassadors that go into schools you've got your pride group program that actually brings together teachers and helps them understand uh, why these issues matter but also how best to work with them in schools and i think what it demonstrates is there isn't obviously going to be this one thing that can tackle every aspect of what mm. we need to but actually you know, just generally working more holistically um, inside and outside schools over the long term is probably one of the, the key things we need to understand that can make an impact. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, Just Like Us explicitly stays away from the idea of providing schools with a long list and saying, right, start at the top of this and do everything on this list and you will have achieved LGBT inclusion. Um, it's been a long time since I was at school, actually. And I think um, for many people... How was it for you, Dominic? Well, I mean, what was your experience? So, I mean, it was funny. I had to, There were 2,000 young uh, people in my school uh, and absolutely nobody was out. And, and people sort of say, you know, were you homophobically bullied? And I said, well, yes, of course, everybody was. I mean, I mean, that was that was what's what my school was like. I, I don't think any any young person in that school didn't experience gay as an insult. Um, I don't think um, I'm I'm a bi man, and I don't think they they didn't know I was bi. Um, but certainly, the messages of that um, stayed with me well into adulthood, and the, and the kind of the stuff that you internalise and that makes it very very hard. Um, to really look at those aspects of your personality um, have, are, well, I, I think to be perfectly honest, are with me to this day. I think, I think, you know, that very much in a way mirrors my own experience and, you know, this sense that almost um, being anything other than heterosexual was a problem in mm. a sense that you'd, you'd have to sort of deal with somehow. Uh, I don't think, I think like a lot of 
young people. I don't think I spent a lot of time really thinking about it necessarily or, mm. or working my way through it, you know. I do think, though, you're right that some of those early messages do stay with you and, you know, continue throughout your adult life, which is why actually having things start off on the right foot from the word go can make such a big difference because obviously I do lots of campaigning on social mobility. Mm. And from my perspective, you know, I've often said, you know, you can't be at your best if you can't be yourself. And, you know, I was, I was in my forties and uh, a cabinet minister <laughs> before <laughs> I, you know, felt able to, to tweet out um, back in 2016 that I was in a really happy same sex relationship. Mm. And, you know, it's, probably the best thing I ever did because I was able to move on and, and actually be myself. And, you know, I felt a huge sense of freedom after that. But I also just remember how many LGBT young people got in touch with me and indeed parents who, you know, in some cases said, I, I was so pleased to see your tweet. It just gave me the confidence to talk to my parents. In other cases, it was parents saying, thanks for doing that because my child is LGBT and you've really helped them understand that it's fine. Um, and it's something that you can celebrate. And so I think for all of us who are part of that community, you know, we all go on a, a really personal journey, don't we? Um, through I, our I, lives on this. I, th I think we do. And I, I, you know, I'd really, I, I congratulate you for, for, for that tweet. And, and I'm so glad to hear that, that things have been fantastic since. Um, I really think we can't underestimate the importance um, of that sort of thing, you know. Um, we've got to remember how, how recent this is. I mean, I, I believe uh, the, first, uh, the first LGBT MP that I'm aware of was uh, Chris Smith that was out as an MP. Um, and, you know, I, I spoke to him the other day. This is, this is fairly recent history. Uh, so I think, um, I think that the, the fact that I, there's also, it seems to me, and I don't know if you agree, that there's far more visibility with men than there is with women. Um, so I think on, on that level as well, as well a, a huge congratulations. And I'm, I'm so glad to hear how well things have gone since. I think there's something about just normalising this. And yeah. I reached the conclusion that, frankly, I didn't think I had a problem with any of this. So why would there be a problem talking about it publicly? And actually, that's... You know, my sense was that one thing I could do to normalise it was to say, well, I think this is fine. Yeah. And, and so that's the step that I decided to take. And, you know, I was really inspired by other people like David Mundell in the cabinet who mm. made the same step. And I just think it's a question of asking yourself what you can do to help. And that was certainly something I could do to help. I think I underestimated the wider impact that it would have and I just got this amazing response afterwards but it, it really underlined to me that you know people can in their own way try and help things move forward if they've got a bit of confidence and, and actually if everybody is able to say well this is who I am then that in itself is quite transformative and, and so you almost you don't have to fix everyone else it, you know in the sense if you can fix your little jigsaw piece of this then you know that that in itself is is a great and amazing step that can make quite a profound impact on the people around you whoever you are yeah no I, what I, do you think i mean looking forward dominic you know we have come a long way but there is still a long way to go and when i was 
education. I brought forward a reform of relationships and sex education, for example. Mm. But what's your sense about the challenges ahead now? I mean, where do we go next on, on LGBT equality? I think there's a really important conversation happening at the moment um, around LGBT equality um, and around um, the parts of, of that acronym, if you like, who, who have made uh, tremendous strides forward, and, and that's fantastic, and who maybe we've left behind a little bit. And I don't think, to be clear, that this is all outside in. I think that, you know, those of us within the community also have, have a lot of work to do. And I think uh, specifically in making sure that trans people are included, um, looking at racism within the LGBT community, I think these things are all, all tremendously important. And I think we're going to start to see um, a greater prominence um, to issues of race and ethnicity within the LGBT community uh, and to trans inclusion as well. And I think it's about the ability to have an open discussion on all of those complex but really sensitive and important issues mm. over the coming months and years. And, and actually, in a way, you know, as you say, it's very different pride this year. But I think hopefully it can be a chance to really reflect on what we've still got to do. And as you say, how we can make sure people maybe who've been part of the community but almost felt more left out of yeah. progress can can nevertheless become part of that i yeah. think one of the things from my perspective that's really struck me about lockdown is almost the important to, importance of what we might call safe spaces yeah. so a lot of people almost underestimating how important it is, to, it is to have places where you can go where you really can sort of just be yourself and and often people in terms of where they've been during lockdown might not have been in a home where they really feel like they can always be themselves. And, you know, I, at the moment I'm literally just about to launch a campaign on saving and protecting those LGBT plus safe spaces from the worst effects of COVID-19 because a lot of them, you know, have really struggled actually and are under threat now. What's your sense about, just those community hubs and the safe spaces, Dominic, and how important they are for, for all of us, whatever age we are. Well, I mean, I think, I think you made a really important point there. I think that for, for many people on the outside of the community, they, you know, you would look at Pride, for example, and you would see a party, or you would look at an LGBT venue and you would see a pub or, or a club. And, and it really is difficult to explain to people how much more than that these things represent within the community. So for example, the, the word pride is pretty close to the literal opposite of shame. Um, and shame is something that, that a, a huge number of us in the LGBT community will have experienced at one point in our life as a, regard, um, as a result of the way that our identity is perceived by other people. Um, the, the ability to come together in a space with people who you know will understand you on some levels um, is tremendously important. Uh, and I think that um, as a community, we really need to rally behind uh, campaigns like yours and making sure that we're, we're ensuring that LGBT spaces are protected. Because even for those of us who, who have you know, now found our way, I think we need to think back to those early stages when we were going through that discovery process and what those spaces meant to us and how important they were. Uh, and we need to steward them for the next generation. I really, I really strongly support that. And, and so for just like us, what do you think the next steps will be after Schools Diversity Week? Of course, there's still a debate on how we get young people 
back into schools in September. Mm. How do you think COVID-19 changes what you do and the work that you can do in schools, whether there's more online stuff that you'll do now? What's the forward look for you? So I think, I think for many of us in the, in the charity sector, COVID-19 has actually forced us to answer some pretty tough questions about ourselves and our models. And I think for us, what's become really, really apparent is that, and it's not just us, it's all sorts of charities have models that work very, very well in London, perhaps almost as well in Manchester, and then sort of start to peter out as we get to more rural locations. Um, and this, this isn't deliberate, it's an unintended consequence of, of, of our models. So for example, if you've got a training, a training model, well, you want to fill a training session, so you will typically host those sessions in, in cities and towns across the country. Uh, now, the problem with that is that often we talk about how it might be more difficult being LGBT in levels with a high rurality, for example. Um, but actually, if our models aren't reflecting that need, then really we don't have anyone else to blame. So over the next year, just like us, we're really going to be reflecting and adapting our model to make sure it's equally as good from Land's End to John O'Groats, and, and that will absolutely be our priority. It's a fantastic ambition, and this issue of almost rural isolation for people on all sorts of different levels, mm. I think is also one from a social mobility perspective that I don't feel has been understood as well as it needs to be. Yeah. And there's just this sense of, disconnection yeah. and yet a lot of our politics and our policies and our efforts perhaps naturally go into urban and city areas just because it's easier to reach a lot of people quickly but yeah. that doesn't mean that that's only where the problems are and mm. I think this sense of leaving no one behind and and as you said about more broadly reflecting on pride this sense of really now saying well what, what's the part, and I guess where are the parts of the community where we haven't been able to work as collaboratively? Where are they and what can we do to help? I think is a really powerful but also important step to take next for all of us. Yes, I agree. And I think sometimes it's not about taking your existing model and, and you know, running around the country and delivering it everywhere. I, th I think sometimes what you've really got to do is start by listening and saying, okay, well, what do you need? What are the things that are really particular to your area and really, really interesting about your area? Um, you know, I've spoken to people from, uh, from mining towns um, and that, have, that have talked about the importance of masculinity in those towns and how some of the teachers felt that there was something about that that was driving a kind of homophobic sense within the school. Um, I think that's really important to know when you're going to this kind of work um, because it, it's, um, you know, the, the model that works in London won't necessarily be the model that works, you know, where I grew up in Bedford, where we, you know, we didn't have LGBT, um, LGBT inclusion in schools as, as many people didn't, you know, and the, the sort of the gay bars were boarded up and painted black with bars on the windows for their own protection. Um, so I think in different schools you get, in, and in different places in the country indeed, you get a different sense of what it really is to be an LGBT person. Um, and I think the first step is always listening to what that sense is in order that we can design something that works for everybody. Yeah, and in a way, the best way to do this is to take a local community's priorities and then make them yours. But 100%. that starts with finding out what they are in the first place and recognizing that they will be different in different places. And, yeah. and that's to be expected. But I think often 
whether you're a policymaker or maybe a charity trying to have a national reach, you almost come at it from a perspective, well, this is what we think we can do to help and we want to do it everywhere, but actually everywhere is different. And the real key to success, I feel, is almost having what I used to call in my mind as a, as a Secretary of State, last mile tailoring. Yeah. So, you know, we always had a tendency to do a, a macro policy in Whitehall and, and then people would get really surprised when it landed in Bedford, different to Derbyshire and different to Somerset, different to yeah. Manchester, London. And we shouldn't be surprised. We should be surprised if it lands the same. Yeah. Um, but no, the impact of that is you have to then work out how can you find a way in these approaches to make sure they're tailored so they, they still have a great impact wherever they are. I think you're totally right. And I mean, even within the same geographical location, you can have different communities where different work will land very differently. I mean, if you think of all the communities in London, even. Um, so I, I think you're right. I think that tailoring piece at the end is really important. And also making sure that at the beginning, you've done the listening piece as well to make sure that you've heard um, and responding to the needs of the communities that you're there to serve. So more rural focus for just like us and yeah. more online perhaps as well, if, if we're going to see more home learning. Well, I think some of the online methods we've designed this year for School Diversity Week, um, you know, when we go back, inverted commas, back to normal, though I'm not sure if that's, uh, that's going to happen. Um, I, I think we, we, would be, we would be silly to throw some of this stuff away. I mean, we've managed to engage in a completely different way with schools across the UK that previously might not have been able to access our work. So we'll definitely be looking at how we can um, keep this capability um, and, and bring it into next year, even if we're doing face-to-face -face work on top. It all sounds like you can have a busy few months ahead, Tommy. <laughs> Oh, I mean, it, it, you know, it's been so busy, but it, it's funny as this sounds, it's genuinely, it's, it's been, it's been a really wonderful time as well in a, in a strange way. And that's not to say people have been through enormous difficulty. People have lost loved ones, but I've seen people pulling together in order to help the least fortunate in our society uh, in a way that I've found incredibly inspiring. Um, and I hope that we keep that spirit as we move, uh, as we as we st start to decrease uh, social isolation, as we start to see each other again. I hope that, that we can hang on to some of that. I really agree with that. And I think that's the real opportunity that we have to try and grasp is we've managed to work collectively on lots of different things that I think lots of local communities never thought was possible. Mm. And almost if you can keep that spirit, then there's a lot we can achieve over the coming months and years. And this sense of my perspective anyway, this sense of government isn't going to have all the answers yeah. on these sorts of issues. A lot of them will come out of local communities, local areas. They'll come outside of government because actually they're about communities changing attitudes, communities helping themselves and, and actually being able to do that as well. And, and, and as you say, because they know exactly what their challenges are, probably being best placed to be able to do it anyway. So mm. we'll see where we go to. But as a final question, Dominic, um, yes. if you were giving some advice then to your younger Dominic, um, what do you think that would be? Ooh. So, uh, do you know, uh, Stephen Fry was asked this question. He responded in quite a nice way. Uh, he said, uh, dear Stephen, uh, I hope you're well. I know you are not, um, which I really like. But I, I, I think for me, what I would say is that for a long time as a young person, 
if you're in any way uncomfortable with your sexual orientation, gender identity, you spend quite a lot of time internalizing this. So I think what I'd say uh, to myself as a young person and to any, any young people that might be listening is that this is not your fault um, and that you have every right, the exact same right to have a wonderful and fulfilling life the same as everybody else. Um, I think that's good advice. I really, could, really do. Could I ask you what, how you'd answer that question? <laughs> hey, I meant to be doing the questions here. <laughs> Go on then. <laughs> um, I think my advice, especially in relation to sort of LGBT plus stuff, would just be a lot of the time you worry about things um, and what other people will think. And in the end, actually, it doesn't really, it, it doesn't matter as much as you maybe think it's going to. And it's about how you feel about yourself that is really important, but also... I worried a lot about what the response would be when I said, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm in the same sex relationship and I'm, I'm really happy and I think it's fine. And I shouldn't have, I, I spent a long time worrying about what the reaction would be. Mm. Um, and so get my advice would be get the monkeys off your back because actually they're, they're fake anyway. Mm. And, and actually, a lot of the time, A, you'll feel better, but also B, you'll realise you're worrying much, much more than you needed to. And so have, have, give yourself the space to succeed by allowing other people to know who you are and accept you for that and give them a chance to be part of helping you succeed in life. But that probably starts with you um, being able to to be open with them too and 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 they'll probably welcome that a lot more than maybe you're worrying about so it these things are a big step um it certainly was for me but that would be my reflection and my advice to my slightly younger self mm. um which was the version of me back in 2016 um literally four years ago when i did my tweet um and i'm pleased i plucked up the courage then because it's made such a difference um in my life since Great. It's really interesting. Thank you. I think I gave a longer answer to that question than uh, you did. <laughs> I'm sure that's not how it's meant to work. But anyway, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. I'm so pleased we were able to do it during Schools Diversity Week. And from my perspective, Dominic, I think Just Like Us does such a great job in schools. I'm a big supporter, a big fan and best of luck with everything you'll be doing over the coming months and years. I think it can make a real, a real impact positively for, for lots and lots of young people. So thank you for what you do. Oh, well, look, a huge thank you for having me on. It's, it's been great. And a huge thank you to, your, to you for your support of Just Like Us as well. Thank you. I hope you found that interview as interesting to listen to as it was to be part of. And stay tuned for the next Fit for Purpose podcast.